episode number 15 of Behind the Sport. I'm Shane. Brent joins me. How you doing? Hey, guys. Oh, fantastic, man. I'm still on. I'm still just getting over my, my hangover from the weekend, the motorsport hangover. Those that know, know. Absolutely. I think I got a fantastic photo of you with a mid uh, getting prepared for your motorsport hangover. Oh uh, yeah, that that was that was mid mid holding up the fence on pit lane because I was that excited after Izzy took two talented youngsters on the inside around turn one. Yeah, it's um, definitely pretty cool racing. So it was the July race meets uh, two day event, uh, Tanda Cup, and the Excel Enduro. Uh, a bit of a shame about low numbers in the Tanda Cup, but I mean they're. Bloody expensive cars to run those ones in that category. Um, yeah, it was kind of a shame because like in WA we've, you know, we've got some real big bangers in the um, in the IP category. You know, like with Hislop and and Cherry and you know those real powerful you know sixty second um, V8s. But uh, man, they're expensive cars to run. That the economy's screwed, um, and they yeah. Still some good racing. Like the weekend, I don't know if it's because we've been missing racing so, so long or um, everyone's got a little bit more passionate about it, but to have a big crowd there was awesome. And then for the XLs to put on a wicked show, uh, historic touring cars that I think it was the second race on Saturday with Lance Stoddard and the, and the Mini against the Jag. That was, that was cool racing to see. And the saloons, man, they were uh, lap record set. Yeah, man, you name it. We had everything over the weekend. I, I was excited. Yeah. Look, the figures, uh, the Saturday Saturday attendance was well over 100 cars. So, you know, two, three people per car. Um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, definitely looking up over the, the turns into turn four, that hill area through the S's was just amazing. And, uh, yeah, a lot of competitors were mentioning, you know, how good it was to see cars as they zoom past and competitors and uh, spectators. And, um, of course, 10-7 and then down uh, Sunday was basically the same. It probably actually more on Sunday. Um, yeah, I reckon Sunday looked, looked busy, especially through the S's and into the start of turn four there. Like, imagine coming out of turn one, opening it up and just seeing banks of people sitting there watching. Like, man, you must have felt like a rock star in the car. Yeah, the, I mean, look, the, looking from turn one, you know, those cars stretched – pretty much most of turn one up into turn sort of two, three, the S's and four, and then turn seven was getting quite busy as well. So hopefully, um, I mean, look, it was fantastic weather. Hopefully next race round uh, in August will feature the same. It'll be fantastic. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But um, today's guest, unfortunately – can't have uh, spectators at their track, which is a which is a damn shame. Oh, it's a big hint. He's got heaps of penguins there. Yes, he does have heaps of penguins there. Um, so we're going to be talking to Nick Scarcella. He is the vice president of the Phillip Island Auto Racing Club. Uh, they pretty much um, are the main organizer of events at the track there. Uh, he's been there for seven years, bit of racing himself, and uh, yeah, he's going to join us. It's been interesting to have a chat, find out all about his history, and 
uh, what he can tell us about the club and the track. Thanks for joining us, Nick. How's your day going? Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Brent. Um, yeah, look, it's just another day here in paradise in Melbourne. Um, obviously, the COVID capital of Australia at the moment. Uh, I think we've got sort of 200 million cases going on. But um, no, look, it's you know just another day in paradise here. And uh, hey, thanks for having us on. Yeah, look, I really appreciate the time. And um, as a vice president of the Phillip Island Auto Racing Club, you are definitely a very busy man. Um, so to take some time out, especially our time difference, two hours, uh, is very appreciated. Um, now, we were going to have this a uh, bit earlier in the week, but of course, um, Motorsport Australia definitely comes first when it comes to conference calls. Um, although I do appreciate the offer to bump them and over us. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I sort of want to keep my media accreditation with them. So. Uh, Yes. Maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's uh, look. It's worked out well. Unfortunately, look, it, it is such a fluid situation, and you know, there's words that I'm getting sick of using. It's fluid and dynamic and those sort of things. But it's changing by the hour, uh, and I think that's the key to it: is to be able to actually go, what's your A plan, B plan, C plan, and and go from there. Um, you know, from our you know, club's point, our motto is access to motorsport. So we're trying whatever we can do to actually make it, whether it's virtual or actual motorsport try and get something happening this year yeah no i think that's where most clubs have been around australia um you know doing something um you know either officially unofficially competitors have been organizing their own race rounds you know virtually and all that sort of stuff some have gone really well some not so much um but yeah, it's it's good to see now you've been with phillip island for seven years if I've uh, read that correctly. Um, Now, how did you get involved with motorsport way back when? Well, here here we go for the long long story short. Um, Basically, I grew up in a family that's always been around cars and I've got older brothers. I had a a dad that had a car yard that in the mid-80s where the the American thing of greed was good, we had American cars so I'd get picked up from school and I wouldn't know what I was getting picked up in. So I'd have my mum out there waving, going, I'm in this. And you know, look, I'd be in a, you know, one day be a Smoking the Bandit, Trans Am, the next day be a Mustang, Brock Commodore. So I grew up around it. And I always wanted to do go-karting. And dad was very much a stickler of, no, you're not going to, uh, I'm not going to provide that for you. If you want it, you go out and get it. So I did an apprenticeship and started to work for the family business. and. Funny story, got to the, I was 18, so I was like, I'll bit off for go-karts now, I'll get a car. So I looked around and I've gone and looked at a couple of historic touring cars and different bits and pieces. And we had a, down here, a sheriff's office, so basically unclaimed or repo cars. And there was a LC GTR Tirana coming up in it. But it was like lot two was the car, lot three was the motor, and then lot 154 was the gearbox. So you basically stuck to stick around all day and try and you know, bid this car. Um, we bought it um, and it was an absolute fortune at the time of $400, which, um, you know, and wow. yeah, I'd love to have that car now. I don't know <clears throat> where, it's, where it ended up, but um, I bought that and sort of screwed it together with a couple of mates and started doing track days with it. And like everyone does, you get addicted to it and off you go and, then you sell that car and you buy another car and then you do that. And 
you know, a lot of my cars have started off as road cars and then become track cars, then become stuff to go and do something a bit more serious. And you know, I had a Commodore which started off as you know just for sprints and ended up being a full blown sports sedan. Um, and it's just sort of just gone from there. You know, life changes. You sort of you go for different categories at the moment. You know, um, I've been involved, you know, running a couple of XLs. Um, unfortunately, myself, I had an accident, um, a workplace accident, about 20 months ago. So I'm sort of confined by these walls, pretty much. But um, you know, the car still get out there and, and have a run, and I can enjoy it that way. But yeah, you know, with the club been involved with them on a uh, board level for the last seven years and been vice president for the last three or four. So it's probably opened my eyes up, especially being stuck here um, to you know, how much the officials do. Um, and you know, it's you know, been able to provide me sort of another outlet. The, um, the officials, what they do behind the scenes and even on race days, um, is something you know I've really pushed this year to show you know not just competitors but outside of motorsport you know that it's pretty cool to do, and um, yeah a lot of people don't realise you know without those volunteers they wouldn't be go racing every weekend that they want to go, and um, yeah and I mean how, how do you find finding volunteers to come down there? Oh look, it's that's one of the things. It's while we're in this sort of shutdown or lockdown, whatever we want to call it, this week, the officials and volunteers—they're just champing at the bit. Um, and look, we've got you know a vast range of range of officials, um, you know, especially in age as well. And some of them that have been told that you probably don't want to be out and about. They're like, no, no, we want our motorsport. We want to get involved. And what else can we do? Uh, it's it's been been great in that aspect that. You know, motorsport is a big family and everyone sort of does sort of you know, tend to look after each other. And I think the, the officials don't get enough credit, um, especially down, you know, down here at Phillip Island. It can go, go from sunny to absolutely torrential rain in the split of a second. Uh, and they'll come out, they'll go out there smiling just to, just to be part of it. And that's the thing. I, I think it's great that, you know, there's avenues of, like yourselves that are actually getting the awareness of the official out there because look, it's like anything, the more people we get involved, the better for everyone. Jumping back to you, your, what was your first competitive race like? Yeah. Um, going back, I'm about going to show my age here, going back a few years now. Look, it was all right. I, I can remember you know, the nerves of, okay, you think you're going from sprint aspect of like, okay, you know what to do. And it's like, it's all foreign. Um, lining up on the grid and then all it was going through was don't stall, don't stall, don't stall. And I think I checked the car was in gear about six times. And I remember looking back at some old um, footage and so just constantly sort of selecting gear, selecting gear, selecting gear. And once you get the lights changed, it just, it all just went into a rhythm and I couldn't even tell you where I finished in that race. But it was just like, how good is this? I've actually done it now. And, and you know, when's the next one? Cool. We've um, had some crackers told to us over the last sort of 15 episodes of, um, you know, of people's first starts in motorsport. You know, had Antonio Studio, who's running an S5000, supposed to be running an S5000 this year, um, you know, told us about how he didn't want to get lapped, so he pulled into the pits <laughs> uh, and retired. That was on his first ever race. Um, and last week's guest... Um, 
told us uh, that was Chase Hoy. He's a sixteen-year-old, uh, two-meter tall, lanky kid. Um, he told us that his uh, first ever competition, he basically uh, pissed off all the officials at one of the go kart tracks and um, packed up the gear and moved to a different club the next week. So, yep. and that was his his first race. So, it's um. Yeah, it's, then it's interesting. Then it's like, you know, yourself and now it's like, yep, check the gears this many times, but then, yeah, had a wonderful time. So oh, it's, it's even you know, looking back at um, one of the last races I did back in 2018, we had a mini enduro down here and we had Luke Yildon driving our second car um, along with um, our teammate Mike Sinclair. And my goal was I just want to be in, finish in front of Luke. Well, that went out the window when we're sitting on the dummy, sitting on the dummy grid, and it just started to hail. And next, next thing you know, we get down turn one, everyone's sort of, and I'm like, okay, I'll be right, I'll be right. And then Luke's just gone, see ya. And it was like, okay, now try and follow the leader, but it literally become looking for rain lights. That's how much torrential rain came down. Um, but it's experience. Yeah. Yep. So moving into your role as the Vice President, what's a general day for you like there? Look, this at the moment, it's pretty much, you know, I'll have four or five phone calls before 10 o'clock, um, you know, constant dialect with our executive group and our president, just going through where I, what, what are the plans, what can we do? You know, at the moment, you know, we've got a race meeting um, penned for three days after lockdown. Now, whether that's going to happen or not, we don't, we don't know. And with the cases that are you know, popping up down here, we're preparing that, look, that's going to have to be moved. So you're talking to the circuit and looking at, okay, what other dates are available? And we're literally just going, look, if there's a date available, let's take it um, and try and make use of it. You know, we've had to postpone three events um, plus a hill climb. So it's trying to sort of make it sort of work. And it's going to, it's going to be a fun part of the year come... Um, you know, October, November, uh, when hopefully we'll have some sort of normality, but we've been saying that for a while now. So it, it literally is just going through what we need to do. Um, you know, we've got a, a rather large presence on social media. Um, so handling inquiries on that, you know, taking care of the website, those sort of things. The track is privately owned. Yes. Um, how do you guys go dealing with private owners of the track? Look, we have a really good relationship. Um, you know, the Linfox group are very respectful knowing our history with the circuit. You know, Pyak was the one that actually started the, the uh, current circuit um, back in the 50s. So they know what our you know, mantra is with it. Um, look, it'd be great to be able to be in a position where you could just make the decision but it's like anything, you've got to be respectful for that they're running a business. Um, and look, we're working pretty well. Same thing. Um, I know Warren, our president's probably speaking to our contact there you know, three times a week. Um, what can we do? What's available? What do we need to do for COVID? You know, checking. Um, you know, we've got all these different plans. Is there anything we can do to help them out um, from that aspect? So look, it's... Like everything, you'd love to be able to own a facility like that, but uh, you know, the fact is, it's uh, um, we're not in that position. So if we can sort of be the unofficial um, patronage, so be it. Over the years, um, obviously, you guys have had 
some fantastic events there and um, so many uh, super superstars of the motorsport um, family as such, you know, from, you know, two wheels, four wheels, sometimes in between, depends on how, they, how they're behaving. Have you had any sort of standout event or um, person that's been there that's really just sort of made you guys go, yeah, wow, this is like or makes all the behind-the-scenes stress worth it? It's funny, you know, we, our involvement goes across two and four wheels. You know, we you know, take care of the PA system for MotoGP and Superbikes. Um, you know, we've had, we do our own closed meets. We do Shannon's meets, supercar meets. One of the things that sort of stands out is, you know, we've got in our club as members, you know, we've got, you know, some great members such as, you know, Jack LeBrock, Craig, Craig Lands, Gary Jacobson, Rick Kelly, the um, you know, people like Tim Blanchard that will just give the time. So you, you'll have an event and when you say about sort of standout stuff, you know, to me personally, seeing Scott McLaughlin in the Volvo, um, I think it was 2016, um, he dominated that uh, supercar round and to sort of be there, I was working, um, doing there? I think I was doing back of, back of grid or something of that nature. But just to sort of see that and be part of that was amazing. Um, that's probably the yeah, things that sort of stand out. It's just that we need to, you know, we forget that these people are just people. They're, they're, yes, they are superstars of our sport, but they're, you know, um, they're willing to sort of come and have a chat and um, you get to know, you get to know them. Uh, it's, yeah, they're probably the things that still stand here. We've um, had a few definite, uh, you know, we've had Nick Perkat on, we've had um, Brad Jones and you know, the, the personalities of these guys is just amazing. Um, you know, compared to, I guess the eighties and eighties and early nineties behavior of some people in the pits. And um, I think we managed one episode without me mentioning Peter Brock telling me where to go as a <laughs> nine year old kid. Um, you know, so to see the attitudes now of the, um, um, you know, these, these guys and you know, girls in the sport, it's, it's bloody amazing. And um, you know, to hear someone in your position to, to echo that sentiment, is, is pretty cool. Yeah, I think someone like Nick, you know, got a bit of a bad rap in regards to sort of a, a bad boy persona, but I don't know him. I've sort of just you know, had sort of dealings with him that track and just just genuine people. I think that's the, the mm. thing with it, it that, yeah, I, I know exactly where you're coming from of, you know, growing up in that sort of that 80s era where, you know, you'd go and sort of, you know, if you got to sort of go anywhere near a car, it's sort of, you know, don't touch it. You don't, you don't do that. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing we need to remember: is people are willing to sort of, um, you know, the drivers know that the officials. Without the officials, it doesn't happen. Without the fans, it doesn't happen, as well. So, yeah, it's it is good to sort of see that. Yeah, a bit of um, we'll say new age thinking is is coming to mind. <laughs> oh, I, is... I really can't imagine Nick Perkett as a bad boy. Like yeah, oh. talking talking with him, you know, when he was over here for a driver search competition, and you know, just yeah, watching him on it, you know, cuddling up to his dogs on social media. Oh, you know, that's cool. Just, that, that stuff's cool. Yeah, it's cool. But I just couldn't imagine him being the bad boy of anything. You know, <laughs> just like mm. 
that's that's the thing that I I think is probably you know in this world you're either glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person, and that's probably been the best thing that's has happened for supercars that with their E series it actually got to sort of look in to people's lives so to see you know nick with you know nelson sort of trying to drive the simulator just for at that point i think he'd given up he was like well let's just let's have some shits and giggles um oh that was great yeah <laughs> and of course they visited philip island which was fantastic have you um been on the iRacing simulator and gone around philip island yes yeah um What's many, many moons ago i sort of uh tried it it, it is pretty close um yeah, it's it's like anything. You sort of nothing beats the real thing, but it's pretty. It's as close as you're gonna sort of get. I dare say. Um, if, you know, if anyone hasn't actually experienced the circuit, like the undulation is there. Um, and that's one thing that we we'd like to sort of put into um, our new competitors that come to the track. Is we'll always take them out and sort of show them because you know you don't on TV like they say about Bathurst. You don't get a realization of what you know what it is and. You know, the, the rise that you actually get from, you know, turn one to Southern Loop at turn two, then the drop away, um, and then obviously the rise at uh, Lukey Heights and MG as well. It's, um, uh, it's something that sort of certainly takes your breath away the first time going around there. I've been told that the, uh, the wind change as you go past the building block on the big straight is something that you cannot experience anywhere else. Is that yep. Yep. pretty cool? Probably spoiling one of my questions, but yeah. Is it yeah. as bad as everyone? Like I've had a few mates who've driven there in IP and saloons, and yeah, yeah. No, look, it is. Um, you know, one of the things about one of the, going back to my own driving there, I can remember doing qualifying in a sports sedan race, and it was raining at turn ten, eleven, and twelve, and halfway down the front straight, and then dry at one. So you couldn't. You were sort of like, well, do you go out on wets? Do you go out and dry, you know, on slicks? Um, you just gamble and go for an intermediate and go from there. But then you get out there and sure enough, next time around, it's bucketing rain at turn one and you couldn't see it. Um, so it really does sort of catch you out. But yeah, the, the wind thing, yeah, you notice it, you know, um, more in, yeah, your IP saloon. I know in the XL, you, you'll definitely sort of pick up it, you get just under the bridge and then all of a sudden, oh, hello, here we are if the wind's going the wrong way. But it can also work in advantage, especially in something that's low powered and give you a little bit extra you know, coming into one. I um, did a few laps on iRacing and got to turn four. And I think it almost, until I switched to the uh, Radical, I think I binned it in turn four almost every time. <laughs> is it actually is tricky? You know, is it actually a tricky corner? Is it? It is. It look, it's, like, it's like anything. What looks simple. Um, certainly isn't, and you know, there's different sort of methodology on how to sort of take it. Um, I know the line that you know I used to do in a sports sedan would know, you know, if I did that in the XL, I'd be sort of in the tie wall. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely something that you know, the, the old analogy of you know, slow in, fast out certainly works for, uh, for Honda. I'll have to uh, remember that next time I fire up the sim and give it a go in something a bit more powerful than the radical. <laughs> well, it's funny, a mate of mine, um, because of my accident, sort of my legs don't work the best at the moment. So he brought a sim around for me and you know, my kids are having an absolute ball in it. I'm sort of there going, I want to have a go, I want to have a go, but I can't. Um, and yeah, they get down there and just sort of typical, you know, typical kids, you know, no fear, just bang, 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 bang. Going, it doesn't quite work like that. Well, we didn't go off the track. 
<laughs> oh dear. To be young again. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. The um out of all the categories that you've run in, which would has been your favourite so far? I suppose what I suppose it's like anything, it's what you get to where you're at at, at the time. Um I enjoy the XLs. I, I think that look, there's Nothing beats driving something with power, um, but the the thing with the XL is it's it's something that you can actually get out there because of the way that it's set up. You don't need to have a you know, a million dollars to go and run it. You can do it on a shoestring, and look, I think that's one of the great things. We're seeing a lot of fathers and sons and um, you know, um, fathers and daughters get involved because it can be run. It's affordable. Uh, that's I've been, I have actually really enjoyed that. Um, the sports stand stuff's fun, and look, I'd love to be able to be in a position to sort of do um, do that again. Uh, but look, I look at the now and, and that sort of thing, and yeah, the XLs have been good. Yeah, I think the the thing with the XLs, I think they're maintainable. Like you can maintain one at home relatively easy. They're not big to work on. They're not heavy to work on. And like I, I'm kind of lucky. I got both. I got the sports sedan Skyline as well. That's just expensive. Everything you touch, it mm. costs you a couple of grand without even trying, let alone doing a box or a donk. Yeah. 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 And and a lot of the stuff is beyond my mechanical skill set, you know, and because it's worth so much and it's so highly stressed, you, you just can't afford to stuff it up because you throw away a five grand weekend. Yeah. Whereas the Excel, you can go to Repco, go to Covs, go wherever and buy the parts. Um, it's all easy, basic maintenance, control category. So other than the rad shockies, there's, there's not much you can do, you know, you, you're not talking about anything aftermarket. It's quite easy to get your head around one. And I think too, the thing with it is that you've got, it doesn't matter if you're racing for first or second, or if you're racing for 30th, you're actually racing where, yeah. you know, we, we've some of the categories have been involved with you're either there or you're not. And you sort of yeah. go, well, hang on, I'm driving around here and I'm only getting sort of excitement for a lap and a half, two laps. And then, you know, they're pulling away from me or I'm pulling away from the group behind me. Oh. Where, you know, with the XL, you you know, like some of the best races I've had have been, you've come from, you've had a, an issue the you know, previous day and you come from the back. And oh, sort of, yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, we've had that conversation so many times over the weekend. So like with IP or uh, sports car, sports sedans at Barb's, you can get stuck in a, in a, in a group by yourself or you're just turning laps because you're not, you're not up with the GD3s and you're, you're not back with the under two leaders. You sort of get stuck in that middle pack. Whereas XLs, we had a 1.5 second split over 10 cars. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all running close to the, the record time and race three is on the weekend. It was just wicked to see, you know, you don't get a lot of other categories. Saloons, they get pretty good for it where you're still going to have a battle most laps. But yeah, the, the more, the open categories, I suppose, IP and, and sports events for sure, you can get stuck in a, in a gap by yourself pretty easy. Yeah, and I think it comes down to what you're there for. You know, if you're there just to have fun, it doesn't. I don't think it really matters where you're where you're racing, but as long as you've got someone to race. Like the last race I did, we had the nationals down here in 2018, and my first ever XL race. Um, I had a bloke that was actually pitted beside us by the name of Sean Beggs, known as the Chubby <laughs> Bomber. Now. I think you might have just identified your fan. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> well, yeah, that's good. That's good. At least there's one out there. Um, <laughs> but no, him and I basically clicked at that event. And, you know, we, this was my first time ever running an XL. So I had you know, this whole thing of, okay, I've been used to driving something with grunt that's that drives from the rear. Now I've got to drive something that's got no grunt and drives in the front plus steers. So he says, oh, look, you know, try this, try that. All weekend, we were like this. And he'd been only running for 12, 18 months at that stage. Anyway, we kept in touch. Um, we did a trip for the 12-hour at Bathurst back in 17. He was working as a, a flaggy. We are up there just for a boys' weekend. You know, one of those ones that we go, look, we can actually go to a race event and not be working you know, in a tower or something like that. Um, he was still up with us at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> yep. and having to get at a flag point at four. Um, but then, yeah, he come down for the, he come down for the nationals in, uh, in 18, same thing. Him and I were like this all weekend and it didn't matter who finished thing. You know, we didn't get anywhere near, you know, we were close all weekend and close, a couple of times close to touching, but there was a respect there. And I actually joked to him, I said, mate, if this is the, and uh, he's known what's been happening on my health issues. If that's the last time I drive a race car, it was worth it because it was yeah. just fun. It didn't, it, we, it didn't matter that we weren't in the, you know, like the fast boys. And I mean, the fast boys were, they were in front and we were sort of battling for you know, mid teens, but geez, it was fun. I think the um, XL series uh, is is probably shown, especially over here in Western Australia over the weekend, that they're all just pretty much just want to have a bigger field as possible. No, no bullshit, no holding back, just helping each other out. out. Or, uh, you know, as, as Brent loves to say, races helping races. And, um, yeah, we had one of our guys uh, have a rollover on. That was the, red, the red one? Yes. The, how cool is that? And. Mm. Yeah, like had the rollover. Uh, Brent actually had his spare little red XL sitting in the garage, pulled it out, dusted it off, running gear replaced. Or was it during that day they did that, Brent? Yeah, I was in, I was in the office in the city all day. Paul, is it Paul Pizarro that sorted it out? Carlos, he actually rang me up to see how easy it could be to logbook a car in a day, and I said, not real easy. You got to get cams on your side. Um, it can be done, but it's not easy. And I said, just use my spare XL. That's logbooks ready to rock and roll. And they picked it up from my house. Chucked the he had the good super shocks. Put the super shocks in it. And that that is a that's a genuine original engine, original car, high K, low horsepower car. And it's man, he was a ripper in it. I don't that's want to awesome. tell you how how much quicker he was than me. And it sucks. It's <laughs> <laughs> but you know what though. It, that's the good thing about it is that when you've got a category like that, and you know we've had a lot of categories in Australia that have been one maker that have come and gone. There's a, there is a place for it, yeah. and mainly for the reason, as you say, that you can actually get something and just go, "All right, we need to make this work. What do we need to do?" You know, with our little car or one of our cars, we had we ran three events in a three events in a row. And, you know, I think in the second one, we'd done a moto and got some panel damage. And it was like, oh, yeah, cool. Well, we're just going to grab a bit off this and a bit off that and a bit off this and a bit off that. Put stickers on it, make it look pretty. But you can do it. It's sort of like mm. you know, harping back to what you're saying about the skyline that, you know, I knew that with the um, with the Walkinshaw that 
it got to the point where it was like not scared to go and race it, but just that that dull feeling of when you'd come home and you're like, okay, that's just cost me X amount. Mm. And I didn't enjoy it because I spent the whole time worrying about, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. I've got to make sure that, yeah, this is done. And look, we'd, we'd all love to have a, a great crew behind us. And let's be honest, m- most of us do have some loyal people. I've got one guy that's been with me for 20 years um, that at a drop a hat will sort of, you know, so we're going racing. Yep, I'm there. Um, but we've also got lives. We've also got the everything else that goes around us. So to be able to have, you know, these low cost formulas. And I know, I know we get, you know, people talk about the $30,000 XLs and that sort of thing. Look, what you're saying just proves the point that, you know, you can go out there and have fun. You don't need to spend a lot. It comes down to the driver and, you know, it doesn't matter if you're running for first or if you're running for 40th, as long as you're having fun. Outside of uh, the, your, your position as vice president at the club there, um, are you full-time there or is it a it's, sort of it's, semi-volunteers? It's, it's slash, volunteer. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, my um, trade is I worked as an assistant service manager before my accident. So, um, you know, I you know, up until March of this year, I was still doing you know, a couple of hours a day for the dealership. Uh, but obviously with uh, COVID, that sort of changed things up a little bit uh, from there. But... No, it's look, it's it's something with it's that fine juggle. Um, you know, I know when I was working full time, you know, you'd come home and you'd spend an hour or so doing club stuff. Um, usually, your trip home was you on the phone talking to sort of you know different people to sort of okay, how can we make this all work? Then I'd go into the next realm where um, my family and I have got a, um, a sign writing, um, predominantly motorsport based, um, that we've been uh, that's been growing and sort of come to a bit of a stop at the moment. But uh, um, so I'd go, go, come home, spend a little bit with the kids, do a little bit of a um, bit more car club stuff, then go out in the garage and put stickers on cars and then go to bed and get up and go to work and go from that. So I actually, I actually miss that, to be honest. Um, so what the old saying, you, you always get to a point where you're like, gee, I wish I had some time. But when you have time, you go, yeah, I actually miss sort of being able to you know, yeah. play. The in a in a dream world, if you could be you could strap yourself into any car, yep, to take yourself around Phillip Island. What car would it be? Any era, any 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 car whatsoever. Nine three five Kramer Porsche. Ooh. Okay, uh, I, out there. I, I've um, I think it's a thing with age. I've got to like. Yeah, you know, I love Group C and A, and I've been lucky to sort of be, mm. you know, have worked on some cars in that sort of period, or not the period, but after the period, and the historic side of things. Um, you know, I would love to have a, you know, an old touring car or something like that. But as I've grown older, I've got an appreciation for the European classics. Um, I used to give my dad stick because he's always had Mercedes. And as I've got to an age, I've got an appreciation for Mercedes Benz. But I would love, I would love a Porsche. Um, and there's something about that uh, you know, 935 B, like you know, the rusty French style, um, you know, black with mm. the big, uh, 19-inch BBS wheels on it. Um, yeah, I just, to me, that's just a you know, raw, raw car. Yeah, that was a cool era of cars. That and like the the Capri, the Zac, was it the Zaxby Capris yep. around the same. You know, just yep. weapons, wild cars. 
yeah. And that's yeah. what, you know, I still have a love, even though I'm not sort of involved in sports. Fans. I love that whole theory of a sports fan that you can get this and make it into this. Um, you know, yeah. I've got, I've got a, um, getting back to the Mercedes side of things, I've got a, um, a, a 2000 model um, CLK, right, SLK Coupe. And that was sort of bought with the purpose of turning that into a, I could run it in the IP, but then I could put bottle of slicks on it and I'm going running sports events. Yeah. Um, that's sitting with a car cover on it and um, that may get looked to or it might end up becoming a road car again. But uh, now nah, something about that that rawness of um, you know, uh, mm. the Porsche, I reckon, be really cool, really, especially especially down the island. If you ever get a chance to you know, come down to the historics, um, where you see, oh, the island uh, magic is is on yeah. on my bucket list. So yeah, yeah, it's just this. awesome, just awesome to be able to you know see some of the sort of stuff you know, you know flow around there. Um, it's sort of when you get close to it, you get a sort of a bit of a numbness. I think you guys may agree that you sort of when you you're seeing these cars, but when something special like comes along, or you know, a couple of years ago, we had um, one of the Rothmans um, uh, Group C Porsches. And that thing, you just watch that come you know, come down the straight and it's sort of just like, okay, that that's that's motoring, that's speed. Hmm. We're actually, um, oh, hey. that's a bit loud. Some, for some reason I've just gone really loud in the office. That's <laughs> odd. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, we actually had our uh, historic tours and historic racing uh, slash formula cars on track over the weekend here. And, um, you know, some of those cars, you know, absolute museum pieces. And, you know, these guys are just throwing them around as if, you know, they're, they're an XL pretty much, you know. But how cool is it to see, though, that? Like, I mm. think it's – if you're a car person, you have an appreciation for it and, you know, we're lucky here in Victoria. We've got some some really good museums. But, you know, it's it's like anything. It's – you want to be able to see them in their glory. Um, you know, I, I know myself, I've sort of, I've had some cars where it's like, well, it's just sitting there. If I can't enjoy it, I'll let someone else enjoy it. It's I'd rather, um, you know, see them out there having a, having a bit of a crack. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I think like looking at the list from the weekend, you know, there was a Chevron B20. Um, RT4s, the Rolts. Yeah. yeah. The Brabham, uh, Joe Ricardo bought out a Brabham BT6 to race around the track. It's just beautiful cars, you know, just, you know, back. I think that's one of the things that, you know, we lose, we've lost a little bit of history of that era of, you know, you look at, you know, talking about the RT4s and, and those sort of things. The racing back then, like I was only three and four years old, but when you actually go back into the archives and look at some of the, you know, Alfie Costanzo and John Bow and, and you know, mm. Johnny Smith racing, they were some cracker meets. Um, there's actually a really good, and I'm, I'm probably taking over a little bit here, there's a really good documentary that came out um, on Alfie Costanzo. If you get a chance to have a look at it, incredible to sort of look at what that bloke did um, pretty much on a shoestring. Um, him and Alan uh, uh, Hamilton, you know, amazing. Switching back to um, the, the track and the club and all that, yep. Um how have you? How have your members been during this sort of time? Have they been pretty sort of understanding that you know it's not up to you guys, or they 
been a bit like the brats that were over this way? No, look, they've actually been really good. Um, we made a decision very early on when it started looking like things were going to turn a little bit ugly down here. Um, our board made the decision, first of all, our, our membership um, renewals are the 30th of June each year. So we made the decision to any of our existing financial members that we'd actually continue their membership for another 12 months. That was that was done on the basis that, yeah, okay, our, our membership's only $65 per person a year. But if people are sort of struggling, they're not going to pay their membership. And once you've lost them, unfortunately, you've probably lost them. Mm. So it was important for us to try and actually you know, keep, the, I hate to use the business term, a retention from there. So look, we made the decision and you know it was a, a big financial um, one to sort of go with, but it was the best decision to make for the for the members because at the end of the day, it's their club. You know, we're just the ones that are trying to sort of facilitate that stuff happens. Um, we were shocked with how many members came back to us and said, "Look, we want to, we still want to pay." Um, on the flip side, I had a member email me and was just wrapped that we were willing to do that. But they said, "Oh, look, we still want to be able to contribute, but you know." we can't race the car. Said, well, why don't you come down and be an official? Oh, I'd never thought of that. Um, and they were all sort of all signed up and good to go for the um, last sprint we had to postpone. But overall, the members have been very understanding. I think the the greater you know, um, motorsport community have seen that we've been trying to make things happen and that we've only postponed stuff. We haven't cancelled things. We've only had to postpone it because the stuff that's been out of our control, um, you know, and that, we, we, that we're trying. And that's been the big thing. I, you know, I think I've had, I looked at, back at some of the Facebook comments the other day, you might see one or two that sort of go, oh, you know, but so-and-so club's been able to make it work and that sort of thing, why can't you guys? And it's, it's that fine balance. And look, it's like you take the good with the bad, but there's been more good than what there's been bad. And that's been sort of very encouraging that, when we can get back out there, it, it'll be fantastic. It'll be big. The last sprint that we um, uh, had to postpone right at the death knell when we uh, went, yeah, the cases were going through the roof down here. Um, we were sold out. And you know, it could have been very easy to... We ha also had a category on the bill with us to race. It could have been very easy to go to the category, look, no, nah, look, push you aside to make it work. But that's not the... It's not the club motto. We've made commitment to it. We've got to try and make it work. Um, unfortunately, you know, it was taken out of our hands, uh, has been with a lot of the stuff down here in Victoria. But, yeah, I, the general consensus is that, yeah, look, people are sort of sticking by it and just sort of champing a bit to get out there. Yeah. When you look at the price, I mean, the, the price to go racing, yeah, memberships and that over this way, are uh, substantially more, but I mean, the club owns the facilities. Yeah. Um, do you see that as a bit of an advantage for you guys not owning the facilities? Or it's, is it a bit of a, yeah, good in some ways, not good in other ways when it comes to the membership side of things? In, in a perfect world, you'd, you'd own the circuit. But that perfect world would sort of need us to have, you know, be a, be a treated as a business, have full-time staff. Um, 
yeah, it's sort of something which, because we have that sort of the the Pyark name, that sort of it does you know I believe personally still hold a little bit of steed here in Victoria and throughout the um, throughout the country that we are that as of the unofficial custodian. There is a lot of history there. Um, you know, we've had even looking at you know not we haven't owned the circuit for you know forty you know. 45 plus 50 years but we've still been involved whether it be at the circuit or you know, at other venues that the members sort of look at it and go yeah look okay it, it's only you know yes it's only 65 you know dollars or 70 you know, 75 for a family but we try and sort of make it so that it is a total package um whether it be stuff at the track social interaction such as you know the social media side of things because at the moment we can't really get together in a club night aspect um so yeah it's um look in a perfect world we'd love to own it but you know um it, we, we can make it work all right i'm gonna hand you over to brent for a little while cool. um <laughs> as he rubs his hands <laughs> with glee <laughs> do, do um, i need to put the helmet on or am i right uh, yeah. no you'll be right yeah, cool. <laughs> Um, well, if if someone like Brad Jones didn't hang up on us, then uh, I think he should be right. So, nah, mate. <laughs> it's it's open book. <laughs> Alrighty, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll come back afterwards have a bit of a chat, but yeah, we'll leave you with Brent for now. Beautiful, mate. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I, I'll go easy on you, but normally I'd ask a heap of real technical questions. Well, not real technical questions. I really enjoy talking to drivers about how they set up the cars, how they find their car different to other cars. You've obviously got pretty similar background to me, mucking around with sports sedans, getting involved with the Excels, um, that sort of stuff. But uh, I've got a few other questions to ask you as well. So yeah. um, Phillip Island to me um, is the holy grail of tracks. Um, and in my opinion, I put it over Bathurst. And I know a lot of people feel the same as more of a driver's track than a, than a gauntlet. Um, what is your favourite part of the track at Phillip Island there? Mine depends on the car. Yeah. Um, if we're talking something we, that's got a bit of go, um, I like coming out of, out of Southern Loop, so turn two, and then driving down into turn three in something, you know, you know like a Porsche or a, you know, um, the sports sedan. You, as you actually go through three, you can actually get the car to drift. Um, yeah. And it's just a, it's pretty much like what you see, you know, Casey Stoner, who obviously the corner's now been named after, do on the um, Ducati. You actually get that drive through there that it's sort of, you're sliding through and you probably need to do that to get the car right for coming into four. Um, so you're on the right line. So yeah, something we grant, I love that. Um, in the XL, um, it's probably a twist between two corners. I still can't get turn one right. Um, you know, it is a corner that you go, yeah, I'm going through there flat, but you always have that, oh, yeah, my foot's flat, but no, no, it's not. My foot's just lifted. Um, but then you have to get back on it because, as you know, in a front-wheel drive, if you lift, it turns bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can't, I can't get that right. Like, I, I do respectable times. I used to do respectable times around there. Um, coming up to the hay shed, when you've got a... You know, an XL handling really well through there. 
that's just basically keep it flat, tip it in and just drive it through the corner and it's gonna it's gonna want to come around on you. But if you've got the car on the right line, you can set yourself up beautifully for uh, MG corner. But I love actually in a racing situation, I love coming under the front straight because you can you, know, you can put the car in places that you would not put a, a, um, a rear wheel drive car. You can sort of go around the outside of people. And I've done that a couple of times where you go, yeah, look, I hope they see me because it's yeah, if, if they haven't, this is going to end bad. But yeah, something about you know, coming onto the front straight and just like, this is going to sound a bit very naive. I'd done 100 laps at the joint until I realised that you actually can notice the water. I've flagged at the place and none of the water's there, but when you're on the track, you don't see it. You know, and you come down, when you're in something a little bit slower than an XL, as an XL, you actually come down, then you actually see the water on a clear day and go, that's cool. Oh, hang on, turn one's coming up. I better you know, start paying attention. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's cool. Um, you've obviously uh, had a lot of, there's a lot of visitors go to Phillip Island. It's, it is one of the, the draw card tracks of the country. It's one of the bucket list tracks. So you get a lot of travellers. They'll, they'll make it their one event for the year or their pilgrimage sort of thing. Or like you're saying with uh, Chubby Wombat, that's, you know, he raves about the place. So um, for someone new coming to Phillip Island, what advice would you give? Or what would you, you know, if someone came to you and said, look, come to Phillip Island, or I've just turned up to Phillip Island, what would be your most important piece of advice the biggest thing about the island is it can bite so really take your time and work yourself into it um you know, we see that at, at, our, at our track days where you know I, i've worked in the past as an instructor and you can sort of pick the people that are going to be they're going to get it and the people that may be trouble during the day um just just with their, their attitude if you if you work yourself up to it um it can be very rewarding but there's nothing worse than you know especially if you're coming from interstate going out there and throwing it off at you know whether it be at turn one or you know, up up the back of the circuit because it's grass it's you know there, there is yes there is gravel trap but if you hit the grass and it's been wet you're not stopping um mm. so really work, work yourself up to it um the parts of the track that you think are going to be daunting are daunting um but they're rewarding as well. So just probably just work yourself up to it. And the old analogy of start link, just link corners and just take your time and, and go from there. I know it's hard, especially for a lot of the interstate guys, if they're coming down and they don't get a, a Friday to practice, they're pretty much out straight into qualifying. Um, but yeah, just, just link the corners. And the good thing about the island is it is flowing. It is something that you can learn the basics relatively quickly. To get the to get the tense obviously takes time, mm. but it's like anything. If you can get out there and just sort of just take your time and realise that, gee, hang on, this thing has actually got you know a lot of off camber corners, and you've got the undulation which you know can catch you out. If you can get around that the first couple of laps and you know, go, yep, all right, that's why I've got to put the car there, there, and there, you'll be fine. Cool. No, good, good advice, and uh, yeah, good to hear. It's a good flight. It's a big track. Um, so you mentioned before Casey Stone at Superbike. Superbikes have a uh, massive following there. Um, there's always uh, they tend to get a lot of media, or um, I say A-grade media airtime and and uh, 
rumor mills always happen around that time of the year. Um, how is a, a, an event like that? Um, how do, how is that different to say uh, the Supercar Circus or Island Magic? Look, I'd sort of look at it. It's it's probably such of a case that you know when MotoGP or you know um, World Superbike comes to town, it's like a, a, a town comes in. Um, it's actually quite fascinating to watch that sort of roll in and sort of you know set up their own little villages and different bits and pieces. Um, you know, it's it's basically like Formula One. You know, in that sort of whole, it's its own sort of network. Um, it's yeah, it's something incredible if you ever get the chance to be you know, involved with it, or even come down a spectator, come down a couple of days, you know, or a week beforehand and just watch the setup for it. It's incredible. Um, supercars, you know, it's a travelling roadshow. You know, they are, you know, they are the best in the business. The way they sort of you know, coordinate everything. I've been lucky enough to, you know. Um, drive the course car at the circuit a couple of times and everything's done to the you know the inf degree everything's on time it's you know it's run on a minute by minute um you know basis it's it's fantastic now island magic really is we like to call it the grand final or the end of the year christmas party for um victoria motorsport and you know it's going to be the 30th year of island magic this year um and yeah look we're you know looking that yes we might need to sort of change things up because of the interstate side of things but it's got that i'd like to call it innocence of a race meet where it's you know essentially it's a state round in in that aspect but you've got you know everyone comes down for it um it really is the last hurrah at the, at the circuit racing wise for the year um so it's got that sort of that atmosphere of you know of the oldie, you know, Phillip Island of the seventies. The yeah. Um, the other big one with, we talked about a little bit with the supercars. When, when are we going to see them back at the Island? Do you know, you got any hot gossip there? I don't, I don't, I, it's funny. There'd been, um, you know, there'd been rumors that that was going to happen this year, halfway through the calendar. And then obviously, you know, COVID's hit and that's sort of been you know, knocked on the head. I know that, yeah, you know, it does cost a lot for the teams to come to Phillip Island, especially for you know, it, you know the freight side of things. Um, I think the cat, you know, from a, 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 this is only a personal view. I think I think it's probably hurt the category a little bit that they haven't been involved. But the other thing too is what's probably from the other side is the crowds. You know, Phillip Island because it is you know an, an hour and an hour and forty five minutes out of you know the CBD of Melbourne to get to because of the way the weather can be, if it's not going to be a case of, oh gee, it's going to be a nice sunny, shiny day, the crowds won't come. Um, yeah, we saw that when we had the 500 down there um, that, yeah, there's some some of the best racing we've seen for a 500K race, but just you couldn't get the people in there. Um, and it is an entertainment business and, you know, it's you need the fans there. I think we will see it back on the, on the calendar again. Um, I think it's something which, if anything, sort of been highlighted. I know I keep going back to COVID. Um, the permanent facility will probably you know, outrain the um, the temporary you know, street circuits for a little bit, just purely for cost, um, purely that the facility is there. Let's make use of it. So I wish I, I wish I had a scoop story for you guys. Say so, yeah, look, it's coming back in twenty twenty one. 
Um, but yeah, no, that, uh, the circuit do keep that very close to the chest and we pretty much only get told maybe a week before it gets released to the media that, yeah, it's back on and you know, be prepared and uh, can you guys do A, B and C for us? Yeah, no, I get that. And, and I 100% agree. And personally, I hope the circuits um, prevail with this whole COVID thing. I personally prefer to see race cars on racetracks. Road circuits, they get the cars to the population base, but they're not the greatest racing. Like if, yeah. if you're into the racing and the track battles and, and seeing the stuff laying out, that they don't give the best racing, but they do give good shows. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it is. If you look at, you know, if you look back at the some great street races through the years, you know, there were some great races at Homebush, but the reality was they were only great races because of either weather or mm. judo championships decider. Um, you know, Gold Coast, same thing. I've, I would have loved to have seen Gold Coast this year, twilight or night on that short track. I reckon it would have been either absolutely fantastic or would have been the biggest carnage fest you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that part of the, the fan of like, oh, yeah, that would look cool to watch. There's a part of being involved in what costs to actually run cars go, yeah, I'm not sure about that. But mm. no, look, I, I, I totally agree. I think the the permanent circuits and, you know, we've got some great facilities here in, in Australia. Um, Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, I would love to come over to Barbagello and, and have a crack and, you know, talks of obviously uh, uh, modifications to the circuit and extensions. That would be fantastic to see. Yeah. Um, so obviously the islands, uh, where it is, it's in a beautiful spot. It has some unique um, wildlife slash environmental challenges. Yep. Yes, it does. Is, is yep. there any um, is there any concerns about the future with that, or it's a pretty good relationship going on there? It is a good relationship. Look, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, however way you want to look at it, you know, we are very close to the penguin brigade there um that does bring a lot of people through on the tourist trail as well um so there, there's a respect there that we can't start engines before a certain time due to the obviously the epa side of things the same thing we can't run past five o'clock um there'd been talks for many years about um longer races 12 hour races sports car stuff there'd been talks of track extensions to be able to go up a grade on the fia list um, you know, I, I can't speak for the, the circuit themselves on any additional plans. Uh, I think that what the, um, you know, PIOPS or the Linfox group have done to the facility has been fantastic, um, especially over the last, you know, for the last 10 years, they've really sort of, you know, raised the profile. So I, I don't see anything, you know, um, to the detriment of the, of the track. Um, you know, unfortunately here in Victoria, you know, it's going to be inevitable. We will lose Sandown, um, which you know is 20 minutes from my house here, and you know, I grew I grew up 10 minutes from there. So you always knew when a car was on track down there. Um, but they say it's progress. It, it'll be sad, but yeah, I I think that we'll you know we'll have the island for some time. But it's like anything. I don't think we'll see a look. I'd love to see a 12 hour or 24 hour race there. I think oh, it would yeah. just it would be, we'd, we'd be the first ones to put our hands up to run it. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't see it happening. Yeah. No, that's cool. 
It's yeah, just one of those ones you always got to ask because, you know, um, like anywhere like Barbagallo, all these, uh, uh, you know, all the stuff in the media at the moment for the extensions and the, you know, that's been in a five-year plan for a long time. There's housing developments getting closer and closer. Yeah, they're all signing waivers that there's a racetrack there, but it only takes one annoying Karen to get in a member's ear and it starts making life hard for tracks. We've seen it all around the world. It's it sucks, well, but yeah, yeah, that was that was like Sandown. Like when you know, in the, in the mid '90s, when the they got some units put up directly behind the pits, you know, you had people sign waivers there when they were getting built. That's yeah. fine, but. People sell that and then someone else comes in and then you get the, oh, I didn't know they had horse racing. I didn't know they had car racing. And you think, well, you've got a racetrack just there. What point didn't you actually open your eyes? But it's the age of, it's that age of entitlement of, you know, if I can't, uh, I can't get what I want. I'll kick and scream until I get it. Yeah. It sucks. It's but also to- the, um, it comes back to EPA as well. It's, uh, it's very much on them. So, Past life, I used to run nightclubs, pubs, and entertainment venues. And the same thing. You're dodgy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it sounds like, uh, you know, it sounds so like he's we, the man to go with on a night out. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> and, you know, we used to see the um, yeah, same thing. You know, apartments would get built. Um, they'd all have to be built to a certain spec. They never were. You know, double glazing and all this sort of stuff. And... Um, the onus then becomes on the venue that's been there for 50 years, 20 years, whatever, how long it's been there to be the one to spend the money to bring to, to comply with, with those noise regulations. And there's no order of occupancy uh, in there. And that's where all these governments that say, yes, we're going to designate entertainment zones and sporting precincts and all these sort of things fail is because they do not change that claw, that wording mm. to do order of occupancy. Yeah. So it doesn't matter then if it's in the contract or not, that was there first and you should be dealing with it. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that, you know, I understand that, you know, there's this thing called progress in life, but if we look at, um, you know, getting back to the motorsport side of things, if you look at some of the circuits that we no longer have, it's like, you know, Oran Park, Amaru Park, um, you know, Lakeside's a shadow of what it was. Um, yeah. That's a know. bit of a success story of, you know, how they managed to pull it off, but the, the restrictions they have. I mean, lucky enough, oh, I've been yeah. lucky to drive it, but, man, the, the restrictions I've got, uh, yeah, yeah, hard. It's like, it's like down here with Sandown, you know, it's it's... We're lucky at Phillip Island, especially with the Pyak events. We're a 95 DBA. Doesn't doesn't matter. It's you know we're we're full race noise, um, and we're lucky with the relationship we got with the circuit that we pretty much grabbed those days for that reason. Um, but you know Sandown 75. You know lawnmowers louder than that. Yeah. Um, you know I, I I actually hadn't run Sandown for years because I couldn't get a V8, you know, quiet enough. Because you'd basically go up the back straight, and if you went there for a, you know, just say you were racing, it was a ninety-five day. That's great, but if you went there the, like the weekend before for a, a sprint, so you could give the car a shakedown, it wasn't worth it because you'd be basically labouring the throttle to go. Yep, I'm just going to grab fifth here, so the thing goes past the the noise meter. You're not achieving anything. It's just, 
it's sad. It's it really is sad. So, on to fun questions. <laughs> You've driven everything from sports sedans to excels. Um, do you have any weird superstitions before a race or on a race day? Do you do anything strange? Do you have a favourite socks? Do you have to put things on in a certain order? You know those weird things. Favourite toilet cubicle. Um, we've had we've had a few. Um, I never did. I never did. And then I had children. And I don't know what that car, that that magical spell of having children does to you, but my oldest daughter decided she wanted to make me a charm bracelet. Yeah, right. No worries. Um, so I wore it, and I did really well. And then next race meet I went to. Oh yeah, no worries. And I got hunted out. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter that the bloke punted me off the track. It mattered because I didn't have the bracelet. So now that bracelet's had to go, and the bracelet's absolutely munted now. Um, so that sort of you know, sits in the pocket of my race suit, and that's still that's that's my good luck charm. It sounds crazy, but yeah, it's um, yeah served well. There you go. That's cool. Um, I've actually got a swag of questions for you. Shane's going to be annoyed. But anyway, quick one. Um, and this is pretty common across most people in positions such as yours. Um, so you're in more of a clerical management type position now, you know, broad terms. How has being a driver helped you in that position? Probably the understanding of what the driver goes through. Um, I actually think this is, this is a, a two-way answer. Drivers should experience what officials go through and officials should experience what a driver goes through because there's different emotions behind it. And, that, and that's the big key is checking emotion out, taking emotion out of things um, because we would have all seen it at racetracks where people get you know, hot-headed and those sort of things. An official's just doing their job. Thus, the driver's just doing what they're designed to do. So if you can actually have an understanding of, okay, what it has take, taken that driver to get to the circuit versus from a driver's point, what that official's actually gone through to be able to make you be able to compete. If you can have an understanding of that, you're actually going to, you know, probably be able to get somewhere and be able to talk to people on their level. Um, look, you'll always get people that are uh, trying sort of you know, be high and mighty and you know, we've all experienced be it drivers or officials for that matter. But if you can sort of, you know, be human and you know, be able to sort of discuss it with people and you learn to be able to, you know, I think that's one of the things where I've been lucky, especially in career aspect, how to deal with different situations very quickly. Um, because, you know, from an official standpoint, it does change very quickly. Um, where it probably helps me is where, when we're doing you know, planning for events or how, could, how can we make things work or will, you know, will, could this event work if we did A, B and C? What would people be interested in? That's where the, the, the inner racer in me is like, oh, well, yeah, that'll work because if we could do that and that and that, that's, that gives people ultimate track time and, um, mm. and enjoyment. So, yeah. Cool. Um, just briefly, you, you mentioned hill climbs, yep. some of the stuff you guys look after. We, we've got some really ripper little hill climbs in, in WA. We've got a little permanent track here at, at Barves, which I, you know, I had a thrash on last weekend in one of the cars. Um, 
what's what's the go with hill climbing over there? How popular is it? Um, and I think you guys have a big national event once a year, don't you? Yeah, we basically we have a Victorian Championship, um, yep. which there's five rounds. Unfortunately, that's just been uh, cancelled for the year. Um, again, I hate that word cancel. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it's actually look, it's it is big. Uh, you know, we hold a event once a year um, down at um, uh, Morwell, uh, the facility there, which is a fantastic, you know, purpose built, and there's. Know, so many different configurations that you can go there and you can do a run and then they can change it and you can do a different run. So you're not doing the same one twice. And, um, you know, we're lucky broad, we've got Broadford as well, which you can, we've run a hill climb there. We've even run a hill climb at the circuit as well, mm. um, which has been, we haven't done that for you know, quite a few years. We're actually talking about that, that we might need to sort of you know, flow that back in because you could probably run two around the facility at the same time. Um, but look, it's, it's like anything. It's got, it's, definitely got its merits um your hill climber it, you know, we find generally is a hill climber um yeah they will absolutely stick to, that, stick to that discipline um but the same thing i look i've done i've done it a couple of times to me it's it's a different side of things you've got to be sort of really in it but i've you know, worked as an, as an official at it and they're just great for a spectator point of view as well just to watch these guys you know there's something about you know someone having a crack you know Everyone loves shootout laps at a circuit. Yeah, basically one shootout. Yeah, when you see everyone standing around the timing board, it gets kind of, kind of yeah. pretty cool in that yeah. aspect. Um, the next couple of questions I have are come from all come from people that are. You obviously know a lot of people around the traps. So, um, <laughs> where do you see the direction of uh, XL racing after COVID? I see it as probably sort of going from strength to strength. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are looking for ways to get into motorsport, and you know we've got there's there's an argument for that we've got probably too many classes available, and if you look at sort of what's out there, you know we've had sort of you know sports sedans are on a bit of a rise here in Victoria. We're seeing a rise um, with saloon cars. They've been sort of you know had some lower numbers over the last couple of years, but the Victorian committee is doing a, a cracker job in trying to sort of build that back up again. Um, Excels, I think I can just see it becoming its own. It is its own monster now. Um, but, you know, you look at the numbers that, the numbers of cars that are logbooked in Australia. Um, it, it is a modern day, I know the HQ guys hate us saying this, it is the modern day HQ. But mm. HQs have still got a purpose as well. They've still got cracker numbers as well um but yeah look i just said sort of moving into that people will look at things now a little bit differently because people's livelihoods are changing that if they do want to be if still want to be involved in a sport they will look at sort of a cheaper option i know that you know i've spoken to many cart guys that have gone from carts to excels mm. and they've just relished in it because they haven't had to be away you know 30 odd weekends a year um, they can just go and run the Excel, put it back in the trailer, run competitively, um, and get out there. So, yeah, I, I, I think it'll just keep it'll keep booming. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's it's a good category to cut your teeth in. Uh, it's fairly well controlled, and um, you know, for Carters especially, Formula Ford, um, it's 
not the most expensive category out there, but it's not a cheap entry level category anymore. So, yeah. I think what, what you know, you'd, you'd love to say perfect world stuff that if you're going to, um, you know, like Formula Ford has its place. Um, mm. And that will always be, I don't care what anyone says, that will be the grooming ran for open wheelers in this country. Yeah. Um, that may go against a lot, a lot of um, feeling, but that's, that's, my, that's my personal view. Um, so if you're going to, if you're going to run formula cars, you're going to go formula forward, then you're going to sort of look at what your options are from there. Um, yeah. S5000. Perfect. You know, that's sort of, uh, um, what, you know, Chris Lambert's vision with that, um, to create sort of an, an old school formula with, with modern tech, you know, it's just been, you know, to me, it's a success and I cannot wait, um, to see those things at the island, let alone see the things at Bathurst in November. Um, I think they'll be, you know, it'll be scary fun. I think will be the best way to way, way to look at it. Um, but you know, if you're going to go saloon car racing in the sense of with a roof and wheels, I think you're going to sort of go, okay, well, am I going to go a saloon car? Am I going to go XL to sort of start off with? You're going to probably go an XL, then maybe look at a saloon car. Mm. If you get, if you've got the budget, you'll look at a, an 86. Um, if you want to sort of try and progress yourself through the through the realm, um, and then you know go from there. I think you know, sports sedans will always be sports sedans. They'll always sort of be you know big, bad, and you know and fun. Um, you know HQs have got their place, those sort of things. So I think you know, the stepping stone for an XL um, is mm. what we'll see, and we're seeing more big names get behind it. And yeah. Yeah, you're seeing you know, you know what Paul Morris is doing up at Norwell. You know, obviously Roland Dane sort of you know um, getting involved as well. It depends who you speak to on the forums. Everyone's got an opinion. They're like something else that everyone's got, but it's not a bad thing. It's only a bad thing if you want to make things a bad thing. Yeah, no, I think it's great, and it's cool seeing the the pros get into them, and, and it's cool seeing the pros are quick no matter what they're in. So yeah, no, yeah. enjoy it. The the best thing we had when we had um, Luke. Um, Yielden Drive our XL. Best way he described it was it's a GT car with no power because mm. you've got to be it, your principles are the same. Yes, you don't have the aero to play with, so but you don't have the power, so you've got to treat it like to get the best out of it. Um, and look, he was fantastic. He, ju- he just jumped in the car and was just a you know, consummate professional. And yeah, that's the key, too. If you want to learn to drive fast, get involved with someone that's done it, and it's actually you can put the um, the mileage into you know, investing yourself as a driver. Absolutely, 100%. Um, real left field question, and you probably figure out who this one's from, maybe. Who has the best facial hair in XLs? I know exactly who that's from. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's a loaded question, isn't it, you know, Sean? Um, yes, yes, the, the Wombat has got the, the best facial hair. Um, I, I'd like to say it's soft and and but then there might be some other questions to get raised after that. Yeah, I've got a feeling there's a weird, uh, weird story behind that. Much what, like happens Paul Bath- yeah. what, what happens at Bathurst stays at Bathurst. This sounds like one for Shane, Paul Pissaris's mankini. We'll leave that for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just seen the look on Shane's face, and he's gone about the same color as that mankini. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Chubby one most wicked. I met him last year. He came over for the first enduro. So there was in XL Cup category here in WA. The committee's really good. 
um, and they organise the enduro to try and attract interstate drivers over to pair up with their local drivers and just to see who's good. And and Wombat came over last year and, and drove one of Paul's cars and um, I had Brock from Queensland come over and drive one of mine. It's just, yeah, it's a wicked way to do it. Unluckily this year, we didn't have any interstate guys come over, but we're working on it. Um, I know a couple, of, a couple of my mates came over and did it last year um, and but come back and said, it's, it's bucket list. You have to do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's the, I think the beauty of the category is now that it is as big as it is, you can go and drive pretty much anywhere. You know? Yeah. And the enduro stuff, I, I love enduros. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I've sort of, you know, um, you know, I think an enduro sort of brings people back. You know, Absolutely. That, you know, and um, it gives us uh, mere mortals with maybe, you know, a little bit of talent, not major talent, half a shot. Um, so mm. I love enduros, and I think yeah, if I if I, I could run an enduro every weekend, I would. Yeah, it's my. I'd love to see a summer series or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, so last last question, sort of uh, two phased, but uh, um, how? And this this again, this is this is a crowdsourced question. How proud are you for being involved in motorsport and seeing your girls involved? Yeah, and how I, do you find the time? Yeah, um, I am. I am. My 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 girls have basically grown up at the racetrack. Um, my oldest was two weeks before born before I. Uh, that was two weeks. Or a, week, a week born before we had a regularity that we've um, that we've done. We've done rather well at. So she's grown up around it. My just just before I had my, had my my workplace accident. I bought them go-karts, um, bought them race suits, and they were all good to go. One of them now at Grand the race suit, so that's there'll be a cheap race suit on eBay soon. Um, but yeah, I, I am I am proud of it. I, I think motorsport is I, I said it before, it's a family. And you do that's one of the things that um, has probably sort of kept me going over the last sort of 18 months with my injury is that sort of still to be able to have that interaction that yeah I can't get to the track yeah um, but I can still be involved in somewhat um, but like, extremely proud of my girls like they're um, my oldest one she's going to be 14 in a couple of months she's probably I won't say miss the boat now she's sort of more going off into her own, her own sort of um, um, thing but my, my younger one if she had the chance to go to the racetrack look when we were planning to race the uh, the XL a couple of weeks ago. She was going down to the track to play quasi team manager because I couldn't, uh, and she's ten. So, yeah, I'm I'm extremely proud of it. Wicked. Oh, well, thank you very much, man. I'll I'll, I'll hand you back to Shane to give cool. you the final grilling. Cool. cool, um, cool. Yeah. No, we've we've gone a bit over time, but you know, just a, I told a cool you. Oh, no, it's just you're a solid dude to talk to, and and you got a lot that share the same and a lot share a lot of the same uh, sort of beliefs or, or mantras as us. Yeah, look, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things. Like, it's funny with, with this accident, I keep saying about that, it's given me a lot of time to reflect and you actually, uh, it's been a, been a bit of a driver to sort of keep me going because you have days where you just don't want to, you want to give up a little bit and you sort of go, no, I still want to be able to get to the track and it's probably changed my perspective and going, well, if I can't, drive anymore or if I can't do this at least I can still be involved mm. but, yeah. we can
Wow. So Brent managed to get through almost an hour without saying how much motorsport turns him on. From, uh, oh, man. You, I think you quite, can tell. quite surprised about it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> We've all we've all got we've all got that disease. Let's be honest, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so, if if you were able to have racing, you know, as a as a special guest, two special guests, yep, uh, at at Phillip Island or you know any other event that you guys are organising, yep. If you could have two drivers from any era, in any category whatsoever forgetting about what can and can't run at the track yep. who would you want and what cars would you want them to be in Ooh, this is a this is a crack of a question i should, I should start using this for the, the stuff we do for pyre um okay i would say someone like tim richmond in an old school nascar because if you've ever watched any of his old footage around uh, Riverside, just throwing this car around like no one's made, and that, and that guy was a party dude. He just he didn't he didn't care. He didn't care about the establishment. He was just going out there to have fun, then you're going to go have a party afterwards. So he'd be one. Um, and I'm probably going to go with the the, the trend. I would say I'd love to see Senna in the um, in the McLaren around there, just to be able to sort of go. Oh, I've seen that because you know it's you know seeing you know, seeing his lap around Monaco, you know, and just watching sort of the intensity of that. Can you imagine him going around the island and just you know? Balls to the wall. I reckon it'd be incredible. So yeah, two people that are obviously no longer with us. Um, mm-hmm. It would be it'd be pretty cool to see that. On the other hand, I'd love to see something you know, rally cross around there. But yeah. uh, we keep we keep asking the circuit. They say don't do, no, you're not to do that. You're not to do that. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I think that'd actually be quite awesome. Oh, but we had we had a we had myself and. Um, a, a good uh, a good club uh, man of ours, uh, Matt Belkin. We've got a plan that you know you could actually come down instead of turning um, right, you turn left at turn one and you jump over the hip, over the um, barriers, and then you'd sort of shortcut and you'd then rejoin at four, and you'd come back around and then where the hay shed is, you'd actually turn you know, <laughs> hard hard left and go off into the paddock around the dam and come out like that. We might have tried it in a, in a um, somewhat in a golf in the golf buggy. <laughs> um, yes, I'm sure if you're drifting at Phillip Island, one of the drifters would have tried it anyway. Yeah, yes, Mister Drifter, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we've, um, I must admit, there'll be a statue of limitation with some of the stories that will eventually come out of things that we've done at that at that circuit. But um, yes, you uh, you can you can have fun still. Maybe uh, maybe next year we'll have to get you back and you know, hopefully that statute of limitations has has passed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's been there's been some interesting ones. I can I can assure you of that. Yeah. Well, let, let, let's just let's just say one I will say one I will say is uh, we did find out about nudity um, and a bus, but that's all I'll say at the circuit. Yeah. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> there'll be a few people, if that, if that gets aired, there'll be a few people who are going white, but I've actually mentioned that. But anyway, that's all right. <laughs> and look, um, any anyone that does hear that and wants to tell us the story, we're happy to repost it anonymously. Uh, we can run a filter over your voice as well. So, yeah, we're always probably, up for a bit of a You probably get the photos too, but anyway. <laughs> I think we're going to have to start. We're, we're starting to get a bit of a trend, Shane, of being the super snoops and getting the good the good stories on, you know, this one's facial hair and nudity. Last one was chasing burnouts in, the, in a stunt car. And oh, I think yeah. we're going to have to start digging for some of this uh, candid motorsport gold, which is every motorsport story has got this sort of stuff. Well, uh, look, uh, you yeah. know, the, the worst thing they're going to do is, is, you know, sack me from a volunteer position. And, you know, it's not like I have a job now anyway, so to speak, during the day. But um, what it was, was we had a competitor at a sprint going back 15 years ago. And they were sponsored by Sexpo. Nice. Hmm. And they wanted to do a photo on the grid. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> they said, oh, look. It'll be there'll be some 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 um some people with not not a lot of clothes on, but I'll be clothed. Yeah, cool, it's all right. So, I this wasn't part of my organising side of things. It's just I know, I know the story. So, yeah, no worries. I was there though. Um, anyway, they started taking you know taking the photos, and I don't know whether there was a strong, that strong gust of wind you were talking about past the start-finish line, but clothing <laughs> come off about the same time that the tourist bus come through the circuit to do the, well, here's to the <laughs> Philip Island Grand Prix circuit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, gold, perfect. There was a few questions asked after that, but uh, yeah. well, luckily, luckily it was before my time of being sort of... Uh, higher up so i didn't uh i just got to enjoy the aftermath here you go oh i think that that might end up in the clips <laughs> <laughs> oh look you might be changing to former vice president but anyway that's all right <laughs> oh look might just uh tell them they need a bit of a sense of humor so <laughs> hey, look, if, you can't, if you can't have a laugh you can't have a laugh it's that simple there's too, yeah. there's too much doom and gloom in this world at the moment. You've got to have a bit of a, a, bit of a deal. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I I had a little bit of a snoop on your Facebook and, you know, you, you've had a, you know, you've mentioned your, your injury um, yep. and the workplace accident. It looks quite nasty. Um, gnarly. Yeah. And, I, and look, I hope, hope obviously uh, that gets sorted out for you sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's been uh, been twenty months. Been twenty months, but unfortunately, I'm in a, in a system that, um, yeah, it's sort of. Uh, I've had uh, a couple of band aid fixes done, but like anything, that's all I are is a band aid. So, um, it's a, a bit of a freak injury that it was a, you know, a, a pinpoint fall that basically moved everything and you know made discs go bob eyes and nerves go to places where they don't go so um yeah look not ideal but look we'll uh we'll get through it so once you're back on your feet what's what's your plans more racing i don't know i have i have this this is an ongoing discussion with my physio and she's probably sick of me going to her so bit of a backstory we um 
we'd been uh, accepted as a run at Bathurst in 2019. So we built a brand new car for that event. I've driven the car once. It's been driven by more people than what I've driven it. Um, and this was the whole, um, yeah, okay, I'm going to throw the throw everything at this thing to make this thing a good car. So it literally, yeah, it would be, I don't want to say it's the world's dearest XL, but it got everything new. It was built virtually as a race car. It was took to a, it was put on a, a jig. It was straightened. It was made sure it was it was Mickey Mouse. Um, so we built it for Bathurst, but obviously I had the I had the injury and I pested my physio. Oh, cool! Can I make Bathurst? Can I make Bathurst? Can I make Bathurst? She's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do this, this, and this. And unbeknownst to everyone, the injury had been misdiagnosed at hospital. So what we were doing was actually not getting anywhere. And it wasn't until sort of a next round of scans done uh, about three months out from Bathurst, I realised, uh, no, you're not going anywhere. Um, so I would like to say that I'll be able to race again. There's a part of me that a lot, it depends what, you know, you get, always get told by the, the surgeons and neurosurgeons, the worst case. So I've got all the worst cases, which if I go by all them, I'm going to be like the character in Futurama that's basically in a jar uh, with a head. Um, I'd like to think that I will be able to, but I, I'll be honest, I won't know until I'm actually back in a car. Um, I've lost my nerve, I, even in a road car. I, I because I, I can't twist, unfortunately, just basically nothing nothing works you know, that well below. And as soon as I put any twist in my body, it just activates all these nerves and, you know, I, I go about the same colour as this shirt. So I don't know. Um, I'd like, this is going to get, this is going to sound a bit wanky, but I'd like to be able to do something with my girls, be it, you know, we, we have you know, a great regularity down here in Victoria, the six hour relay, which is basically known as the, the uh, battle is Bathurst and our teams won that twice. And up until we stopped competing into it last year because of the injury, we had, you know, our average finishing place was fourth over 10 years. So it was actually, we go, go all right at it. I'd always said that my goal was to be able to do something like that with my kids and being that they're getting to the age now that reality is, you know, this year, one of them would be able to, you know, later in the year, would be able to get a CAMS licence. So there was that always in the back of the mind to be able to do that. But there's the real, you know, the realisation that I may not be able to do that. So I'll still be involved. Like I've got a, um, we look after a car for uh, Mike Sinclair, who some of you might know as the editor-in-chief of carsales.com.au mm -hmm. and also on the, um, Garage 41 TV show with Glenn Ridge and Dave Morley. Yep. We look after a car for him. Um, so if I can't drive, I'll still be involved at the track somewhat, whether it's be playing in a tower or in a, you know, uh, an official standpoint or, you know, maybe sort of barking orders, telling everyone how good I used to be. Which uh, the longer this injury goes on, the better I can actually say, oh, yeah, I was really good. So I've I, I, probably played on that one a little bit. I think, um, look. Shut up, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, you, you two are like peas in a pod, like, Zach's <laughs> He's got better hair, though. 
I've got I've got ISO here, mate. <laughs> uh, um, I think we are at the attention span limit. Yep. For um, for uh, most motorsport enthusiasts. Cool. And that's cool. that's not a bad thing. It just means that they can dedicate about an hour, an hour and a half of pure concentration to watch yep. and listen to something. Yep. Is the average yeah. race, but I, I've got to give you guys credit. Like I said, I, I jumped on today, um, and one of the things that's got you know that I've done, I don't sleep. I get probably an hour and a half a night with it because I can't get comfortable. And you know, um, so I listen to podcasts. I, I think I've watched just about every touring car race from that's been recorded from about 1973 onwards, three or four times. Every Netflix show so sick of netflix but it was so cool to go through your staff what you guys are doing is incredible like you you really have got to be congratulated to be able to sort of doing what you're doing because everyone looks at the um you know going out and getting the name and doing this and doing that you guys are actually approaching it in in such a way that you're getting the stories oh reckon it's fantastic so you both you know you know should be you know really proud of yourselves I really, really do appreciate that. I mean, look, it's it's so easy to go out and do headline stuff, you know. Um, and I'm going to try not to get into a rant because we we cut a big rant out of one of the episodes a few weeks ago because um, I think I ranted for about 15 minutes about it. Um, and that's you know, the, there's been a lot of podcasts and a lot of media attention on uh, something to do with supercars, and you probably guess what exactly it is and you know instead of using that opportunity to really lift up women in motorsport their roles and all that it's really been used as just an attention grabbing time Mm. um to make piss poor jokes um you know about other women in motorsport going down the same path and you know, and, and I've said before, you know, her choice, she can do whatever she wants. Yep. Um, but the apparently man's gonna choice... on, apparently going to be on the career cup grid, though. I've heard. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I, 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 yeah I, I don't know how um, Motorsport Australia are going to go with some of the sponsorship that she was talking about on the car. I think there's a, I think there's a clause in uh, um, Schedule C about what you can actually display on a motor vehicle. But anyway. Mm. No. So um, pushing the boundaries over the years. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So look, you know, and and it is, it is an easy thing to, you know, we could have, you know, got her on and gone with a certain angle. Mm. Um, but I'd rather not focus on that. Um, you know, there's been discussions with, you know, there's stuff with drivers we could have asked. Um, you know, stuff like even with like when we had Brad Jones on, we could have gone down the path mm. of asking some questions about certain things. Yeah. Um, yeah and, we, and that's not what it's about. Um, and I think, no. yeah, I, you know, I've been lucky that one of my former roles in the club was club captain. So I was able to interview different people. And, you know, I was lucky that I had, you know, Betty Clemenko, Gary Rogers, Jack Perkins, um, couple of, a couple of other names there. And, they tell a great story. Yeah. 
But some of the best club nights I had was with old mate that no one's ever heard of, but it's got this incredible story that you actually go, really? And takes your breath away and you go, I never knew that, you know? Um, that I think that's the, every, everyone's got a story. Yeah. And mm. most people want to tell their story. Like we're doing um, at the moment, my daughter and I are doing a, um, like a little access to our members video. And it would have been really good, really easy of us to go to, like I said, some of the, the supercar drivers and say, hey, look, come on to this video and do, and do it. And they would have said yes. And you know, some of them would have said, oh, can you pay us? But it wasn't about that. So we've just got some just random members. Um, I did one actually a couple of nights back. We've uh, an official that's in his early 20s, grown up in the sport and just has a pure love for it. Knows that they'll probably never be able to go and afford to race, but that's their way they can actually get in, they can get involved. And it was so, in, it was actually something that I finished it and it actually gave you a boost. It was like, that's cool. You know, it was uh, this, we sometimes get a little bit blase about the negatives in this world, but if you, um, yeah, there, there is some good stories out there. Yeah. And that's sort of a hundred percent what, what this show's about. Like Shane says, motorsport turns me on, local racing turns me on. Um, but the whole, everything's so intertwined. And like, I was actually our, um, sitting there on the, on the, the gate on, what I mean, Saturday, talking to Stewie, the, uh, you know, motorsport tie guy over here, just saying, look, the former forger. And I was saying, look, look at the amount, like we worked backwards through you know, each family that's involved in that and the guys leasing cars and breaking cars and everything around. So there's probably more money running around the field. They're better economic stimulus just on that former Ford category than all the football clubs put together at the north end of the town. Mm. Like it's, it's just one big family. People don't get, we get so desensitized. We turn up, we play with cool stuff. We go racing and not everyone can do that. And just the, the ability to be involved in the story, it goes with it for each individual. And it's, it's that oh, cool. It's, and, we, and, and we glaze over, but it's cool. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, I've being in this sort of break, so, so to speak, from being able to drive, it's probably reignited a bit of passion for the purest of the, you know, the whole chemistry behind why why we do it. Um, because you do, and you do, you get blase. You sort of go, yep, I'm going to the track and I'm doing this. You start, The best way that I can describe this is when you go and take someone for a passenger lot ride. Now, golden rule is you don't go 10 tenths because you still got to have control. Nine out of 10 people will go, I'm going to try and show off here. The person beside you has never been, it doesn't matter if it's an XL, it doesn't matter if it's a Porsche, it doesn't matter if it's a whatever. They don't know what G-Force is in reality. The quickest they've been is probably 100Ks, maybe a little bit over it. And they've never gone around a corner like that. So they don't know what, they, they're not going to know the difference between 80% and 100%. But they're going to go, wow, we get sensitized to that, that, oh, well, unless we're on the limit, it's not exciting. And I think we sometimes need to sort of step back to that and go, what, what attracted us to, the, to this sport to begin with? 
Yeah. Absolutely. That's my little rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's spot on. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, yeah, we, we could definitely chat for hours. Um. And rant for hours. <laughs> oh, like you're bored at three o'clock in the morning. Just send me a message. I'll be up. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> I think Brent will be asleep by that time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm usually. I, I mean, I don't. I sleep a little bit more than you. But uh, it's just yeah, so much going on at the moment. And um, how, are you, you know, how are you guys finding things over there? At the, there. Oh, as long as we can keep the borders closed, we'll be right. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're lucky. You know, WA has been really lucky. Uh, Next to Darwin, we're probably the best off. You know, we've got minimal cases. The quarantine is working so far for the, the you know, the imports that are coming in with it. Um, we got stitched up a bit with the cruise ship and a cattle ship or something like that. Um, but we've we've been pretty lucky. The remoteness of WA has helped a bit. Yeah. Um, we're kind of lucky. Perth is a big spread out city, so we don't have a lot of congested living conditions that some of the other states have. You know, we don't have... We have a lot of high high rise apartments, but not on the scale of like Melbourne or, or Sydney. And it's a and it's a beautiful city too. It's mm. you know, I in a, in a previous life, um, I'd spend once a month a week in Perth, and it's beautiful. You know, you sort of you, you could go for a walk. You know, during you know, like I you know used to love going there sort of around that sort of October November. You go for you go for a walk. It's just it was fantastic of it after hours. Look, thanks again for joining us um, and Thank spending the time. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, last year I was actually in Melbourne when the um, uh, when the Island Classic was on. Yep, yep. Um, I couldn't make it down. It was my grandmother's ninetieth, okay. um, and I thought sort of thought you know it'd be a bit bit cruel to duck out halfway through that. Um, plus as well, I do love my grandmother. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was a shame. Had plans to be down there this year, but we'll see what happens. Because um, I think that's not, that's sort of a few weeks after the uh, Bathurst International. So um, yeah. yep. we'll, uh, we'll see what's going on. Hopefully we'll be at the Bathurst International again. Yeah, as as you say, and as everyone says, and it is the key word. Everything's fluid, yeah. so. Well, there's, there's certain words that we don't think once we get through this, we'll ever use again because we won't want to. <laughs> Hopefully, one, one, thing, one thing I'm sick and tired of is writing press releases about postponing stuff. I just, you know, I've got a standard template now. It's like just change date, change event, and you know, change a couple of words around to make it look pretty. It's just, I'm sick of it. Yeah, I just can't wait to say we're back. Yeah. And look, I think um, yeah, yeah, we have been very lucky over this way um, to be able to go racing again with spectators, and hopefully you guys will be able to get there soon as well. Yeah, and I'd, um, I'd, like, I'd like to think that you know by again, depending what happens here over the next couple of days, we'll determine whether we're going to have stuff in September and October. Yep, I'd like to think that November is still a chance to have stuff. So. You know, we've just asked the circuit for a few more dates, plus obviously Island Magic. Um, and what Island Magic will be, will be, I think it, it, that will become back to being a celebration of the sport. Yep. Well, no, you know, in some ways it'd be lovely to have racing back before then with spectators, but, it, you know, how amazing would that be to oh, yeah. be your first event back with spectators, Island Magic? Yeah. Oh, mm. 
and it would be magic. It'd be fantastic. It would be absolutely fantastic. It's just, you just don't know. Like if you'd said to me back in March, oh yeah, cool. You won't be having a race meet, you know, in June. I would have laughed at you and said, you know, you need to, you need to stop taking these pills. They've got me on, but it's just the fact of, what, what we're living like you look you look at now you know what the afl are doing moving all their teams now to brisbane mm. um yeah there's going to be a change on the supercar calendar that's there's no doubt that you know yeah. we've what's happening at um up in sydney at the moment darwin's either going to be become something completely different or you know i, I don't see that we'll see a, a supercar race in victoria this year yeah and i think um darwin's current Status is very much pending. It's uh, yeah. I've just seen some sort of emails come flying through the mailbox as we've been chatting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was, I was a little bit distracted early, sort of seeing what the latest news was. But um, you know, obviously, yeah, we'll just see what happens. But um, thanks again for joining us. No worries, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, we'll wrap up uh, right now, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening again, everyone iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Facebook, pretty much whatever your bad social media habit is, we're available on it. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers. 